0: I'm Carrie Adams, and you're listening to Carrie's Connoisseurs, coming to you from Solid Gold Podcasts. Here we talk to the movers and shakers, the drinkers, the dreamers, and all the people who make it happen in the liquor and luxury industries from around the world. Well, hello, everybody. It's... Monday. It's not Monday. Callum, what's happening with me? It's Friday. I've had such a week. Welcome to Kerry's Connoisseurs. It's Friday. I've been to Cape Town. I've been back. I've been in. I've been out. I've been up. I've been down. But my favorite thing of the week is my recording time. And today I am doing an interview with Adam Mason. He's probably doesn't need too much of an introduction, but people listen to me from all around the world. So Adam Mason is a winemaker in South Africa a very clever one. Adam, welcome to Carrie's Connoisseurs. How are you?
1: Hello Carrie, Uh, I'm good. It's good to be on your show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's...
0: it was quite... um, it was quite opportune really because you invited me to taste some new wines that I wasn't even aware of. I didn't even know they were available. I didn't even know there was a farm called Terra Pesibla. But As with everything you do, Adam Mason, uh, we'll discover and explore that and tell everybody all about it. The wines are delicious. But before we do that, I want everybody to know what I know about Adam. Adam the person is a Johannesburg boy, which is probably why you're so nice, Adam. Sandheim High School, I think you went to? Born yep. and bred in Santon. Tell us your life story quickly. I'll edit where I need to.
1: Okay. I uh, actually was born and bred in Zim. or certainly born in Zim. Mm-hmm. And uh, we sort of moved to Johannesburg probably when I was about six. But very, th- those early years were very formative in, in my life experience. And... Um, basically spent most of my childhood in Joburg. Uh, we had a brief stint in Sydney for about two years as a family, emigrated and came back. And uh, I found myself at the end of high school, um, a little bit too young to go to university. It was the last year of the draft and my father who had been a, a soldier for 16 years and fought in a bush war said to me, you really shouldn't waste your time going to the army. You know, take a year off and go and travel and when you come back you can go and study. And um, I was, uh, that, 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 that sort of ended up with me working in a factory in a, just outside the town of Nantes on the west coast of France, and um, I was working on a line called the Contre which is a very fancy sounding name, but it's actually a, 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 a lap and pluck machine. <laughs> I was sticking Yves Saint Laurent uh, perfume boxes together. I remember jazz perfume was the one that I was assigned to.
0: Okay, well, I I mean, it's...
1: Jazz perfume boxes, as much as you want to know about the fluting and the corrugations and the grade. Okay,
0: well, I mean, it could have been worse. At least it was Yves Saint Laurent, and it wasn't some sort of tacky backstreet sort of label,
1: hey? No. So so my neighbor on the line had 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 a vineyard, he, and a little, uh, he, and he was part of a, a small community um, growing in, in the Muscaday region. So very sort of lesser known, but but more up and coming region. Um, yes. Um, what is the? I'm actually trying to remember the name of the the grape that they grow there. I should be. Where in, were
0: we? Were you is in the road? Where?
1: No, no Muscadet. So on the oh, west coast. Oh, Muscadet. Atlantique That's mm-hmm. Grand plant they call it, and it's a very innocuous white grape, but it was my first introduction to working in a vineyard. I was a porter, and I was, I was sort of quite tall and lanky, and the vines were quite low to the ground. So all the little old ladies um, and the immigrants did the cutting, and I did the, the porting, and I would sort of, sort of jump over one row to the next, grabbing these punnets of grapes. And uh, that was that was where my sort of introduction. And why to in
0: why class. did you go there? I mean, were you interested in wine? Did you apply for a job, or was it just a means to an end?
1: Yeah, it was. So we had we had billeted a French student for a few years in Johannesburg. So my my dad was he was a sappy at the time, and they had a sort of a French a program of internship. And this, yes. this chap came and stayed with us for two years in a row. He loved us so much, he, and, and he said, listen, if you ever want to come and stay with my family in France. You can come and stay. It was in the days when you could still get a, a visa fairly easily, and <laughs> I yes. guess I was much younger. <laughs> so it was easy yeah. to get a, a a tourist slash kind of uh, working traveling visa. And so I went and stayed with this, this guy's family for six months. I ended up working and doing lots of different things, and one of which was working in this factory. And mm. uh, that's where I met these guys who owned a vineyard. So it was, yeah, it was pretty much opportune. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you know, isn't it amazing how the universe works for us? If you think, if you look back on your life, nothing, nothing is by accident really. It's somehow all by design. If you think of it, hey.
1: I was having this so, conversation with my daughter the other day. It's a, it's a big, it's one of life's big questions. I mean, is everything preordained, or are we kind of creatures of our own fate? And it's, it's and a, it's what a, did it's you? What
0: conclusion reason. did you? What conclusion did you reach?
1: I don't think that it's. I don't think everything's preordained, but I think um, I think we have, we are to a certain extent masters of our own destiny. We we do we do make choices. Now the question is, are those choices? Are we even aware that we're making those choices, or have we are they been sort of predetermined? Well, you
0: know, I'm I'm old enough and cynical enough at this stage of the game to have watched the evolution of thought and everything that goes with it and around it. And especially in the last couple of years, with the madness of COVID and what's happened to the world, I'm more convinced than ever that we're in a big sort of a fish bowl,
1: mm, big petri dish.
0: And I think a big petri dish. And I think, I think, not saying, I'm almost convinced that they're those white blokes, you know, with those funny slanty navy blue eyes like that. Yes. And they're looking into that fish bowl, and they're looking into that petri dish, and they're saying, well, let's throw something in we'll throw this in and see what they do and then we'll throw that and I think we're experiments because I can't believe I can't believe that all this happens by chance there's just too many synchronicities in my life that have happened that make me feel like it's all been orchestrated by something or someone or is it a bit far-fetched I am a Libran so I romance a lot about a lot of shit you know so you have to you have to take that into account
1: Look, I don't think it's yeah. I think it's it's, uh, it's it's one of the. I think it's one of life's great questions. Mm. So,
0: yeah, there's a, a cap- couple of things we need to settle with if we ever get beyond the blue and we meet whatever it is that created all of us. I got a lot of questions to be answered, and you.
1: Yeah, no, there's, there's lots, eh? <laughs> you, you caught me yes. there. I wasn't thinking about this character. <laughs> <laughs> of course, there's lots of questions. Yeah.
0: Well this is supposed to be an interview about wine, but you know, you know, I think that in order to discover the stories that come out of Adam Mason's bottles, you need to know the stories that come out of Adam Mason's head and his heart as well. So I'm going to ask you lots of difficult questions, Adam.
1: Okay. I'm ready for you, Gary.
0: Keep talking to me. So you were in a muscadet vineyard and mm-hmm. you were charming grannies who were cutting grapes on bush vines, from what I they could get. They
1: taught guess. me so many, uh, what the French call gros mots. They taught me all the dirty words. Just fantastic. Yeah, it was
0: you great. See, you see, I was, hope you no, remember to was, surround was, yourself with grannies forever.
1: No, grannies are the best.
0: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you went from the Muscadet Vineyards to where? Uh,
1: from there I actually sort of returned uh, back to, to Johannesburg. Uh, just in time to, to start studying at Witz, so I was at Witz for a year, I spent okay. many happy afternoons drinking at the bars and misbehaving. Okay. Well, yeah, it, was, it was awesome, it was a great year actually, um, Witz, and then I transferred down to Stellenbosch because that was where I wanted to really study agriculture, and they were the ones that offered the viticulture and enology degree. And,
0: so. and was it your stint in France that sent you in the direction of enology and
1: viticulture? Absolutely yeah up until that point I'd explored sort of um, forestry and sort of landscape gardening and horticulture those probably that's where I would have ended up mm. um, had I not had I not gone over to France and and fallen in love with the whole process and tasted those grapes in outside Nantes.
0: I know it's a bit. It's a bit of a drug, really, isn't it?
1: Yeah. No. Look, it's 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 a phenomenal. It it was it was it was a. It was, a, it, was, a, it, was a, it was like an epiphany, you know, just a, just realizing that I could spend the rest of my life under learning and being involved with something as, as beautiful, um, and it's 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 like it's a miraculous kind of conversion, grapes to wine.
0: I know. I know, and it's you know, has, it's all my. It's, it's so all things. my. All my favorite people in the wine industry are those people. They're philosophers and they're artists and they're a bit left of center and they are, they just, they think a lot.
1: But I think and that's I think, most winemakers, is it not? I mean, that's—it it is really a creative, yeah. it's a very creative uh, yeah. endeavor. And it I think you it's, it's interesting in the sense that you have to be able, it, it requires a certain amount of um, logic and sort of um factual basis and, and sort of academic rigour. But it, in order to really uh, take things beyond that, you need to be able to think conceptually and outside the box and beyond the strictures of kind of academia. You need to be able to be... And you also have to have a desire to want to create something. And I think... Yes, for well... It naturally definitely. attracts... You have those kind of funny uh, crossovers.
0: It definitely does. I, I, I mean, the chemistry... And the science of wine making is easy. That's the easy bit because it's one and one is two and chemistry and maths wasn't really easy can me. they really can make the world go round. But you know what you know what's not so easy is the emotional chemistry. Because emotional chemistry isn't one and one is two. Mm. Emotional chemistry is that little that little thing that turns the maths into something extraordinarily beautiful. And that's what my boys in the wine industry do. So that's why I've always loved wine. It is the sum of all parts. It's the it's the coming together of the maths and science and the emotional chemistry that makes this gorgeous product. So you went off to studies and you studied you studied enology and viticulture. And it's 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 a BSc, isn't it? Basically, no, it's a four year no, undergrad. Yeah, correct. Did that and then I think. You were in a lot of places that many people don't even know you were in. Um, You worked with Flagstone and Mm Boschendall and Mulderbosch. We all know about Mulderbosch. I think Mulderbosch sort of rocketed your reputation into the stratosphere because you really did make beautiful wines at Mulderbosch. I think the Faithful Hound is still possibly one of the most well-known and favorite wines in South Africa, and I always associate you with that, not that it was your dog or anything like that, but um, when you got to Mulderbosch you made Faithful Hound taste so much nicer than he ever tasted before. And then you also started your own brand, Marvellous, which I want to speak to you about. But you did a business side to wine as well. You didn't only always make wine. I mean, what did you do for less weights? I read somewhere that you did something yeah, so for less weights.
1: So that was the, straight after varsity, that was the first job that I ever had. Um, mm. Because of my experience in France, my, 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 my conversational French was, was pretty good. And yes. at the end of my course, uh, the lecturer said, listen, they, they, there's a company in France looking for winemakers to go and work in the south of France, but you need to be able to speak French. And mm. phone. he has the guy's number, give them a call. So I did that, and just, just through being able to, to speak to, to the guy in French, I got a job working in the south of France, doing extreme kind of dog's body work. And I worked <laughs> for, for Lathwaite for about four years. I went backwards and forwards. So that was in the time that I... That was from 97 to, to 2000. And uh, yes. I worked for Archendahl and Flagstone in between. But then I ended up staying in France for about a year, working for what they, they've gone under various names Bordeaux, Direct, uh, Direct Wines, Laithwaite's. They're the biggest mail order company in the world, wine mail order. I know, they're,
0: they're quite they're, remarkable. They're,
1: yeah, they run the Sunday Times Wine Club, they run the Wall Street Journal Wine Club, they run British Airways Wine Club, uh, yeah, so they do they do a, a, a host of kind of back-end stuff, but then they've mm-hmm. also got their own kind of uh, club, and it's um, a fascinating company. I did learn a lot, and, and, and it was good to be in France and solidify all of my sort of, uh, sort of academic kind of knowledge. Mm. Um, yeah, and then I guess business-wise, I, when I came back to South Africa, I did want to know more about business, and I took a position yeah. as as a, the general manager of a business called International Wine Services. Yes. and that was in, working with Kim Milne, who had started it, and it was sold mm. to Scottish Newcastle a few years after he started it. Yes, so they yes. were just brokers, merchants, but I was I was the GM, woefully kind of under equipped, ill equipped to be the GM, but I. I, I <laughs> I did, a, I, did a, I did a possible job there, but what was interesting for me there was learning, learning about the trade, and learning yeah. about the pricing and, and how, the, how the supermarkets worked and all the different kind of channels of selling wine. So it was it's my
0: invaluable. The
1: trade. Mm. It, it, was, it was important. Yeah, I'm glad mm. I did it. Yeah, but, and that, um, So that ended um, in 2003, and then I was, that the big break in my career really came when Ross left Clan Constantia and I got That's the job. That's right, at, you went yeah.
0: to Klein, Constantia. I've forgotten yeah. about that. So that, mm. was, that was my
1: really lucky break, I would say. Um, mm. you know, it was such, such an in, improbable thing. I mean, I, I remember dreaming. I actually remember as a kid coming down from Zimbabwe. We drove down in my dad's Peugeot 504. You know, the one with the little <laughs> Oh, thing. yeah,
0: I remember those cars.
1: <laughs> and we drove, drove all the way down to Cape Town, and I will never forget visiting Klein Constantia. I must have been about five years old. and um, i I still remember the smell of cobra polish and you know the copper brasso the thatch i remember those smells vividly Uh and and, i can smell
0: them as we speak i can can smell smell
1: those smells but i think that that must have been kind of subconsciously with me my whole life and then you know you talk about fate and i'm going to go well maybe there is something to it because i ended up working at Plain Constantia where where really it probably had all begun for me when I was five years old. So wow. perhaps the wheel does kind of turn and perhaps he's Oh it does. Mean-
0: there's no there's no yes. doubt in my mind. We'll have will we'll open a gorgeous bottle of wine one night at my house and we'll we'll debate it. But wow. I'm sure I'm sure I'm right. Um, I think you were probably guided in that direction.
1: Uh, well it did feel but, like it at the time no it?
0: definitely and Clain and Constantia, I mean Lowell Urster he, I think Dougie, his father, bought that farm when he was already quite big, but yeah. the, Eusters, the Eusters did put their stamp on the Constantia Valley, and Clan right. Constantia was such a beautiful place. In fact, that's the first time I met you, Adam Mason, yes, was when you right. were the winemaker at Clane Constantia. It was it, such yeah. a beautiful place, and the wine, it was big shoes to fill, because Rossi had been there for a very long time, Ross yeah. And he was a great winemaker. Well, and and I was course, terrified. you must because, have been terrified because of because, because of the Constance, maybe.
1: Yeah. yeah, it was definitely because of der Constance. <laughs> the first person who ever saw me was Jos Baker's husband, who, who, who passed away not long yes. afterwards. But yes. apparently, he had been a, sort of a fervent supporter of the the claim, Constantia Riesling, and he was an, he was already at that stage quite ill and he walked up to me and he sort of poked his crabby finger in my face and says (laughs) don't you change my riesling boy
0: i'm sure he didn't say that i'm sure he swore
1: at you kind of like Joss going "Mm, you listen to him (laughs) so there was definitely a sense of who's this kid that nobody knows who's come and taken taken ross's position and yeah it was it was it was a tough gig for a couple of years, no, are
0: one of our farms that had like a, a serious pedigree I mean for those people yeah. who are listening or watching, Van der Constance comes from Klein Constantia and it is without any doubt the most famous wine from the South African wine industry over many, many years. I think it was first made three hundred years ago or something equally bizarre, but yeah. it 's a natural sweet wine that everybody famous famous soldiers and who was the bloke at St Helena, Nelson? Napoleon, hmm?
1: Napoleon, and, Napoleon. Uh, he, he, he was rationed on in his, during his exile and I mean, yes. you name it, Jane Austen Baudelaire, um, yes. they, they, they mentioned it in their in dispatches. They all
0: wrote about it, it was a hugely famous wine, I mean because I would have shacked myself, I wouldn't have known how to make that wine.
1: But I only really felt comfortable four years after I'd started working at Clan Constantia, because that was when the 2004 was released. That was my first van der Konstanz. I had to wait four years in order to have a sort of a proper vetting by the trade. So that was a four four very sweaty and uncomfortable years, I can tell you.
0: <laughs> and <laughs> Adam, but, is well, in the well, meantime... Well, to, Lowell's,
1: to Lowell's credit, he was very kind and very forgiving oh. and very patient. You're a wonderful man. He's a wonderful
0: working. man. I think Lowell is in America now, Ed.
1: Yes, he's Ed? in San Diego, yeah.
0: What's he doing? Is he in the wine industry?
1: Yeah, no, so he's patented a, he patented a, um, a, a system whereby he, he completely removed bottled wines from the, from, from, from the process. So sourced uh, wines up in, in Napa, had them trucked down to his little uh, wine bar in San Diego in their barrels and decanted from the barrel directly into either carafes, which were then served at the restaurant or into reusable bottles, which people then took away and brought back. What a clever person. little
0: guy he is,
1: hey? And he thought he was so clever because he lives in a place called La Jolla, which is uh, so spelled spelt La, and then Hoya is J-O-L-L-A, so La Jolla, and uh, his, company, <laughs> his company's called LJ Wines, and it's Lowell Yuster. Lowell
0: Uster, it's terrible. It <laughs> sounds like Lowell, yeah,
1: wow. yeah. Wow.
0: Um, Adam, so you moved from there. It was from there that you went to Hydra Holdings, I think, and Mulderbosch, hey?
1: It had just been bought by Teruel Capital, so it was just. So I met I met an American crowd uh, in 2008. I went to the United States for the first time to work uh, in the Napa, and I worked mm. at Screaming Eagle. I had a I had a, I had a month a one month stint at Screaming Eagle which Luke O'Connigan sorted me out. Luke, Luke sorted me no, out.
0: No, I mean, that is just holy grail stuff. How much yeah, of it did you drink? Did you drink interest.
1: lots? You know, they were they were quite frugal. I mean, every drop, I worked it out, every, a bottle is about 800 bucks, 1,000 bucks. Mm. Every drop is sort of, you know, it's a dollar. just over a dollar a drop. <laughs> I mean, 20 round a drop, a, a drop. So they, were, they didn't really sort of hand it out as, as sort of doping
0: freely as they might have, yeah. No. Mm.
1: But it was an it was an incredible visit, and during that time I met I met the owner, the, one of the, the, the fund owners who then was involved in setting up um, a fund in South Africa, and they purchased yes. they had just purchased Mulderbosch in yes. 2010, and I'd said to them when I left Screaming Eagle, I said, listen, I love my job at Plant Constantia but if you ever do decide to do something in South Africa, please give me a call because I'd love to work with you. And so in 2011, I got a phone call. Wow. And I was ready to leave Clan Constantia at that time. Uh, Lowell, mm. Lowell had affected the sale. Um, I, I didn't know who was, I didn't really know the new people. And I kind of, I was a bit itchy. You know, I had, I had itchy feet. I'm mm. restless, Harry. I'm a restless person. I need, I need to move. I know you are, Adam.
0: I know you better than you think.
1: Yeah, so it kind of got to the point. I've been there for eight years. It was, a, it was a wonderful stint, and I felt it was a good time, as good a time as any, to, to, step, to step aside and to, to do something different. Yes. And, um, and that's, that's, what, that's how I ended up at Mulderbosch.
0: And did you love it? Was it completely different? I'm sure.
1: Hey? Small oh, what, family
0: business as opposed to big corporate yeah. business—very different thing.
1: I, I did love Um up to a point. You know, it, it got very messy uh, with with shareholding at one point.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, imploded, but up until that point, it was amazing working with these um, Americans. Who, mm. I mean, and I will say this: uh, when I left. <laughs> And This is going to be on the recording, so when I left, when I, when I <laughs> well, left we'll then,
0: censor <laughs> it. We'll see if we can let it slip through or not.
1: Hans Aström said to me, as, and he was the new sort of d- director at Muldevat at Clan Concentra. He said to me, Adam, yes. just be careful of the Americans. They overpromise and they underdeliver.
0: Oh really? I said,
1: okay. Well, I'm committed now. I'm going, and mm-hmm. that was my experience of the Americans, actually, by and large. Oh, was it? During my experience, it was, they are so enthusiastic, and they are so they are such good. Um, they 're so good at drawing you in, and they sell you the, sell you the pitch they 're incredible natural salespeople so everything that they said they were going to do, I kind of was like i 'm so amped, I so much want to be a part of this project and we started doing things but in, but but invariably it never really hit the heights that they had sold it as There were always pitfalls along the way, and there were always things that were there were always kind of reasons why it didn 't really kind of culminate in what and do you we're think all. maybe.
0: Maybe they were expecting you to run with the no, idea and make it happen, or was it them no, that was tripping it forward? It's,
1: it's, I realized part of the problem with the, with the states as a market, it's so, so very complicated. You have, it's a three-tier market. Um, you have yeah. 52 states, or 50, however many states, 52. everyone is slightly different. And it's incredibly different. difficult to prevail in that market. You know, mm. even internally for American companies, it's hard. Um, so, mm. so to take a company based in South Africa, and we only represent about 1% of all imported wine in the U.S., if I understand mm. it, correctly, it's tiny. We're nothing in America.
0: We're and nothing it was, anywhere, It's just rephrase well, it. It's
1: small. <laughs> well, we're, we're, yeah. So, so I think that, that was, it was really amazing to, to, to live that experience. It's been an invaluable learning curve in my life to understand that. Because uh, you know, those are hard lessons to learn, but they're Well you know what
0: it is, I think it's brilliant. I think you've had so many very invaluable lessons and that lesson of humility is probably the the hardest and the best one that you've learned. It's a good one. (laughs) You know humility is, you have to have, you have and if you're not born with it or taught it during your your formative years, you definitely need a big fat smack from the universe somewhere Mm. to remind you. That yeah. humility goes a whole lot further than, you know, its, it's antithesis. So I think your humility is one of the most endearing things about you. You are a kick-ass winemaker. maker. You just are. You're one of my best. You're one of my favorites.
1: Thank you, you fly Kay. under the
0: radar. You never blow your own trumpet. In fact, all of you boys in South Africa, with, with very few exceptions. You are all just so unbelievably modest um, for what you're doing. Anyway, enough blowing smoke. Keep talking mm, to
1: me. That's uncomfortable. Thanks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> do you like that?
1: I <laughs> don't like it at all. Um, Keep talking. So, Kerry, yeah, so, so Mildebosch was, 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 was also very good because when I joined Mildebosch, I asked them to, to like give me permission to do my own thing, to develop my own business. Mm-hmm. And that was the other attraction of going to Mildebosch was that I really wanted to, to grow my own business. And I had registered a company called Yardstick Wines yes. that Peter Tempelhoff, the sort of virtuoso chef and, and sort of friend of mine, mm. he was working at uh, the cellars Hohenhort in Constantia when I was at, uh, at Clan Constantia. And we yeah. developed a friendship and we started making some wine together. And from that Yardstick was born. I took that, we took it with us to, to Mildebosch and Pete, sort of um, he, he got out of it uh, a couple of years later. It just was so difficult to maintain that, that kind of constant rapport that we'd had both being based in Constantia. Mm-hmm. And uh, I ended up, so Mildebosch is still a partner at the moment. We still haven't oh, enough, finally wrapped up the, the partnership, but that's the aim. And um, you know, that is another really sort of important learning curve. To, mm. to really understand that you cannot serve two masters it's extremely difficult. To grow your own mm. business while being employed and your responsibility lies with your employer, it's mm. hard. So mm. so, Yardstick has always just been sort of ticking away in the background. And it is still the company that I, that I would like to see uh, grow up in my lifetime. I'd still like it to become a proper wine company.
0: Oh, really? It okay. is
1: still the dream. Yep.
0: Where do you run it out of? I mean, are you still making, does Marvelous come out of the Yardstick company?
1: Yeah, so I had lots of different labels. Um, you know, Yardstick was originally Chardonnay and Pinot Noir. And then yeah. Marvelous was a was a more supposed to be like a bistro label. Very good quality wine by the glass. And there were yeah. different, uh, there was a, we ended up with three different blends. A a, sort of a Rhone, a Bordeaux, and then a white blend, a South African white yeah. And they went under the Shazam, Kaboom, and Kapow labels. <laughs> no, I loved a little it. a bit ahead of their time. And um, uh, yeah, just we, we,
0: sort of, um, it
1: was just quite sort
0: of, quite sort of 19th pop art. Yeah, it was pop arty, comic-y style. It was fun. Yeah. Yeah.
1: In the very beginning, and then we morphed it a bit into more kind of just typeface and quite modern uh, block, blocky fonts. And, um, yeah, but look, there were too many things going on, Carrie. I I dropped the ball, and I have to take responsibility for not following through enough on so many things. And um, then I decided in my wisdom that if that that wasn't going to work, I was going to try something else called Raised by Wolves, another label existing within the yardstick stable. And the Raised by Wolves were far more uh, sort of uh, hand-picked small-volume batches and uh, these vineyards that I'd been working with at Marvelous and all sort of blending all together, I then started bottling separately. And, and I was really working with some exciting vineyards. I had traveled the, the, the breadth of the country. I knew just about every little vineyard that existed where there was a cool story to be told old vines or you know, crazy, crazy owners or high altitude or whatever it yeah. was. And those formed the basis of Raised by Wolves. So, yeah. Um, yeah. That all stopped in 2020, uh, 21, 2021, when I left Mildebosch. And Carl um, van der Merbe had just left De Morgans on. And, and I was, uh, I was uh, put it this way, I, I was, taken, I was, I was head, taken under Wendy's wing to head up.
0: You uh, Morg- were hunted down because Wendy, being <laughs> one of my best mates, I love Wendy Applebaum. She phoned me, she said to me, Carrie, what am I gonna do? You know how she loved Carl, how we all yeah. love Carl. Yeah. I said, Well, there's about four there's about four people who you can probably afford, because Wendy can afford anybody. And I gave her four names and yours is one of them. She said, Those are sort of the four names that I had as well. I said, Well, go mm. for it. You could have any one of them, they're all brilliant. And never more I'm happy was I to see my favorite Adam going to one of my very best friends
1: yeah, um, yeah, was, but you I weren't was, there for
0: very long
1: or no, were you
0: you know life I sort was, of rushes yeah, by like, I,
1: it was it was that weird time warpy space between yeah. you know, we literally left the Mildebosch in February in, at the end when was it uh, sort of May end of May and I started at uh, De Morgan's on in June of 2021 so we were full COVID full lockdown yeah um, it was a crazy, crazy time and, yes. and I made the decision to stop doing everything else. All my yardstick, I made a decision to wind the business down and to focus mm. 100% on giving everything to De Morgan Zone.
0: Mm. And,
1: you know, fairly Which seasoned, is not
0: hard, it's a beautiful place.
1: Look, I was so excited to go. I mean, obviously, Wendy and Hilton, I'd met them before, and I, and I thought they were the most amazing people, world. <laughs> well, it's
0: like being on the set of a, of a comedy show, if you stay yeah. with the Apple bombs. They're hilariously funny. They're just gorgeous people, yeah.
1: And, and very high-paced and very yeah. intense. And I was, so, I was so looking forward to working in that sort of milieu. Mm. And, and, you know, it was just, it just some things don't work in life. You know, I just think the, the chemistry just didn't fit. Um, yeah. you know, I, think, I think I probably wanted much more autonomy than Wendy was prepared to to provide, yeah. Yeah. And, and I look back on it now and I understand why it didn't work, and mm. um, I, don't regret, I don't regret it at all. Uh, no, and I don't
0: think she does either.
1: At the end of the day, what, it ha- what happened was it, it, it forced me to make a decision that I'd been avoiding my entire life, and that was to, <laughs> to go on my own. You know, yeah. so it forced me it forced me into a position of sort of duck or no dinner. To yeah. quote something that I heard from Michael Fridgen years ago and I've never forgotten it. I <laughs> love this I love the saying.
0: It is so far, gorgeous, I but you know
1: and then one day there was absolutely no dinner. And it was the best thing that's <laughs> ever happened to me, to be quite honest.
0: <laughs> I always remember I have I have a brother and sister. The three of us are extremely close. Mm-hmm. And we've done most things together but interdependently really for our our whole lives and at the beginning of every summer it's you know what kids are like it's not really warm enough to swim yet but you've got a swimming pool in the garden and you want to swim so we used to put our cozies on round about sort of late August which Mm. is really way too cold to be swimming and we used to hold hands and we used to, one hand you hold a brother or a sister, the other hand you hold your nose and you run and you jump. And whenever I'm scared of anything in life, I imagine that I've got Mark and Ellison with me
1: mm-hmm. and
0: I'm holding my nose and I'm gonna run and jump into that icy freezing cold water. And that's sort of my duck or no dinner. Um, you either come up and gasp mm-hmm. for air or nobody ever sees you again, you know. And yes. I, think, I think you did, you did it at just the right time, it was a difficult time, because, as you say, we'd come out of the weirdest time on planet earth ever that i yes. I can't believe we ever had to live through it, and oh, it was really. hard. It was very hard in South Africa, and more specifically here because our i mean what should our, our esteemed government closed down the liquor trade during disaster?
1: disaster was a very it was a disaster it was a depressing time yeah, yeah. Carrie, so what did you do? For two seconds there. I just need to check this guy's working behind me in the winery. I want to make sure he's doing the right thing. Okay,
0: and perfect. See, I'll, I'll
1: put my back to him. Hold on one sec. Okay. I had a, I had a, a moment of terror where I thought uh, we're, blending, we're blending some rose and I, and I just thought I hope the correct tank has been hooked up because he, uh, we were doing the barrels when, when I started the interview and he's moved on to a tank. It is the correct tank so we can continue I'm <laughs> at ease.
0: That could have been, that could have been, yeah, a monumental cock-up, that, well,
1: look, yeah. That happened, eh? I've had a couple of serious blunders in my life, <laughs> so I'm very, I kind of, I, 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 it's almost like when something like that happens in the cell, I've learned never to get upset, uh, no. because the person who made the fuck-up really didn't yeah. want to make it. <laughs> And they've probably learned a lesson that they will never forget, and it'll actually make them a much nicer person. For much us. better. <laughs> the universe has given them a solid PK. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you left DMZ, and, and did you revive your yardstick?
1: I'm in the process of doing that, but I mean, I I had to hustle, you know, I had no, I had no income, and I had to do everything, I I mean, that was, that was it, that was the moment that I'd been avoiding my entire life, and um, there I was, (laughs) of kind of three kids, varsity, high school, the most expensive time of my life. Ooh, I know, um, but now
0: where's Mrs. Mason in all of this, because you have to tap dance a bit, you know, Uh, when Mr. Mm. Mason is... Only dancing on one leg, then Mrs. Mason, I'm sure, jumped in and did what she had to do, didn't she?
1: Well, Louise is a is a is a very talented artist. Yes. And, uh, she she exhibits with uh, Everard Reed. Yes. And um, so so we've we you know we've been lucky that she she's also brings in money through through her the sale of her art. But yes, the course. art the art sales kind of disappeared over the over COVID. I mean, <laughs> it was it was difficult.
0: <laughs> Everything <laughs> disappeared. <laughs>
1: It was was just in that time of everyone was in complete uh, financial stress. Oh, it yeah. What saved me, and this is is how it all worked, was I gave Direct Wines a call. And I said, listen, you guys buy a lot of wine from South Africa, and there's these travel bans. You, You cannot get your buyers to South Africa. But I know what you're looking for, and I know the styles you're looking for. Can I be your man on the ground and just help you source wine? And it was perfect timing, And they were very receptive, and so that was something that started me going.
0: Brilliant,
1: okay. And then at the same time, uh, a friend of mine who had been having wines made for him up at Friesenhof said to me, listen, Adam, Jan Jan is not as involved as he was. There's a little bit of a kind of a rudderless situation on the winemaking side. Perhaps they they could do with some, some consulting. And, you know, that happened, and at the same time, you know, I, I had Shirley van Weyck from from Terpazibul give me a call mm. and say, you know, we we would like to to meet and and see if you'd like to be involved in this project that we have in Franschhoek. So I was once again, you know, it's very serendipitous. The universe did did step in and provide at a time that could have been a complete financial disaster for me and for our family and. Um, Never worked harder in my life for about six months. Can you hear me? Am I still there? Uh, no, no, we're still there. No, we're good. Sorry, I dipped away for a while. Let, uh, I can go back a bit. Can, I, can you still hear me, Kerry? <laughs> June 2021, um, I went solo and um, you know, was, was, was very lucky to be able to, to find work as a consultant and um you know you know well, how I pitched it Carrie, was also there are people there there's so many um sort of wineries um and 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 a lot of the businesses the wine businesses in the country cannot afford top salaries I so i went in and said listen i'll i'll provide expertise and advice and winemaking but at a sort of a discounted rate so i've taken on um, a handful of people to help me sort of bring in what I would have been bringing in as, as an employee of one, of one business previously. So that's how it's worked, I've spread, I've spread my time over sort of um, three, three major uh, consulting clients and for mm-hmm. the rest of the time I, I, I'm working on my own business and that's very clever. The one, <laughs> speed. I've been yeah. very lucky Carrie, I mean I, it's, it's more luck than anything else, I think it's just the timing was very good. The industry yes. was very depressed. People needed yes. help. I was independent and I was available. And that was just that's how I see it. It was just very very that. Wow, very fortunate there we back. That,
0: Adam that. Mason we're back to my divine timing, you know. Um Yeah, possibly. Yes. Definitely. We're gonna write a book. I'm gonna put you into one of my chapters of my book. So that brings me also to through this wonderful journey that has been yours. It brings us to a very interesting little Property that is one of your consults called Terra Paisible. What is that French? I mean, it yes. doesn't sound like French to me. It is French. Is Paisible yes. possibility, or what is it in French?
1: It means peaceful land. Terre Paisible. Okay. So peaceful land.
0: Okay, yeah. and who's Robert Levy?
1: So. Robert Levy is the, he's the, he's the owner, and uh, he is from, he's Belgian, and has lived, I think, most of his life in the Congo, and um, was a financier, and...
0: That's a good that's, thing to be if you know, buy a wine farm, eh? Hey?
1: Yes. It's a very good thing to that's, be that's as that's a banker.
0: You to yeah. <laughs> you need to own a, a bank.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but he's a... You know, from what I've from what I've I can say about Robert, I've met him probably five times. And um, I like his style of management. You know, he's got a very he, he empowers people, gives them a job to do and lets them sort of run with it. And he's um, very generous. He seems sort of very kind uh, to the people around him. Does he? And okay, um, Yeah. And um,
0: kind is good. You know, if you he's, can be he's, kind,
1: he's be kind. Good. He's kind. Yeah, mm. so mm. I think he's got a heart for Africa too, you know. So he he wanted to he wanted to invest in Africa and to be doing something worthwhile in Africa. Ed, I what are you doing in the doing background? In the the background.
0: <laughs> it sounds like you might You're have a butchery barrel. out the <laughs> back, or <laughs> it's it's probably my divine timing that says. I'm not allowed to be speaking to you for too much longer I want to speak to you all day because I love you but so you are consulting and that's where I caught up with you the other day um the wines that you're making just smell and taste of you because I've been in the industry long enough to know that every wine maker has his own stamp and his own smell and his own taste I can smell you boys long before I could almost 100% 100% infallibly pinpoint which was your wine yes. and which was John Seacombe's wine and which was Niels Forberg's wine. I know, you all have your own special smell and yours is just one of, you know what Adam, I was thinking about it, your wine is very savoury and I think it might mm-hmm. come from time in France, you know, where those beautifully elegant savoury Bordeaux blends sort of they capture you. Before you know it, you've fallen deeply, desperately in love with them. But your wines have this savory freshness on them. So there's never an overabundance of sort of sticky ripe fruit or over extraction. Whenever I've tasted an Adam Mason wine, I always think it teased me so much. I want to open another bottle to just see maybe if it gives me that tiny bit more next year. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. gorgeous for now, but it's it holds a promise of something just a tiny bit more every time. Do you know what I mean? It's like a it's like a savoriness that promises I mean, to the best, to... That's
1: the best um, comment that I could ever wish for. I mean that's exactly that the kind of wine want? that I want to be
0: Well that's yeah. what you've got. Yeah. That's just what you got. They go. Savoury
1: Savory balanced, fresh. I mean we mm. must never forget that that the fruit of the vine is, is, is fresh. You know, mm. grapes are fresh and alive when you hop them, and I, know. Uh, I, I, I very much believe that needs to be that needs to be evident in the final in the final bottled wine too. It needs to be mm. fresh and vibrant and alive. Um, yeah. Well, that savoury for me is savoury
0: is good for me too. I, there's not many. Savory's there's not good. many who get it right. It's very good because you can make shitty savoury wines that taste like they. Need to go back on the into the vineyard and ripen up a little bit more. You've got it bang on. And these little wines, for people who are listening and watching us, Terra paisible peaceful land, peaceful place. The wine is gorgeous. Where did do, where does everybody buy them?
1: So the, there's a from the website. I think there is a there is okay. a link on the so website. So there is an online you can website. Okay. Drop on. And you know, they are recently launched. So if I'm not mistaken, you'll get them at at retailers like Norman Goodfellows.
0: Yeah, Norman Goodfellows um, has got some, I think. Um, mm.
1: Yeah, so, but I mean, Kerry, I haven't, I haven't seen many in the trade, to be honest. Um, no,
0: there's not lots. It's know, beautiful. Very, very Let's good tell good them product. about the label. The label looks to me like mm. I told you, it looks like a scan of a recently pregnant woman. That label—it's beautiful, you're but it looks like Michelle's a fetal scan. <laughs> it looks like the gynecologist's scan machine. What is it supposed to be, Adam yeah. Mason?
1: It's actually—it's a, a cross section of a of a grape, uh, sort of. Backlit. Oh, is that what it is. <laughs> I understand it can look like an embryo. I think they <laughs> and perhaps there's a universal. There's a universal kind of um, message in that. There uh, is, and uh, it is, is embryonic to the petri dish. We're looking at the embryo in the petri dish. Yeah, uh, it's very modern. It's very stark, and it's it says it says what's inside the bottle. You know, it says that this is about grape, which I like.
0: I like that. Too. It's and, quite uh, and, honest, and it's also
1: about, you know, it's, it's monochromatic, which I also, from an aesthetic perspective, I quite like. Sort of monochromatic. It fits with the savoury, I guess.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Now the whole thing hangs together beautifully. I. I'm going to, I think I'm going to ask, it's Shirley, isn't it, Van
1: Shirley, Van yeah.
0: I'm going to ask her for some um, pictures and things, and maybe we can put them, I don't know, the kids do all of this for me, you know, I'm terribly technically challenged when it comes to all of this. So, I know that there's a YouTube thing, and I know that there's a podcast thing, but I'm sure there must be a place for a picture. And I'm going to write a newsletter, so we'll put all of those things together so that everybody can see what you're doing.:
1: Have you heard of Instagram?
0: <laughs> Don't get too cocky with me, Adam. I go on Instagram. I know how to use Instagram., <laughs> could, yeah, we to could put, you, put it: you up to... No, we could put it on Instagram. That's a good idea. OK. You boys are going to have to save me. You know that. I don't want to become one of those stupid old ladies in the industry. Shoot me. Put a bolt through my head before that happens, will you? I do know about Instagram in the
1: meantime. uh, Have a bottle of wine before we have any further talk of bolts through and heads. I've got some
0: nice wine in my cellar that I know you would all love to come and share with me. So when I feel that it's nigh, I'll phone you all. When you all get that same phone call, come. Because you'll get something nice out of the cellar, I promise you. Adam, thank you my darling, I love you, you're clever, you are soulful, you are artistic, you are a wonderful husband and a wonderful dad and an unbelievable winemaker. Thank you so much for everything you do in our industry, we love it.
1: Thank you very much, this is way too much praise. And I really do appreciate your support and your interest in what I'm doing. And um, it's been a pleasure spending an hour chatting with you and catching up. Thank you very much. Huge
0: pleasure as well.